Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Joining us on the line this morning, the Trocare College live line is Terry Connors, attorney who is, among other things, involved in many cases, uh, prominent cases here in Western New York, representing some of the victims' families of the Tops shooting. And we talk as the trial of Jennifer Crumbly, the mother in Michigan, who's charged in her son's deadly school shooting, is now in a second day of deliberations. Terry, thanks for joining us this morning. You know, a lot of people are watching this case kind of play out nationally as it has a lot of people's attention and are wondering at the same time why we have not seen a similar trial for the parents of the top shooter. And wondering if you can kind of shed any light on why these two cases might be different or if something still may be coming. Well, that is a uh, interesting parallel, and I think that it's a, it's a normal reaction for people to look to see whether or not there should be some blame laid at the feet of the parents of the shooter in the top market case. But you have to look at the facts, and what has happened here is that the facts in the Crumbly case have been developed by the investigation and, in fact, tested by the Court of Appeals in Michigan, and the facts seem to be quite a bit different. You know that, for example, the the parents were the individuals who were aware of the distressed mental state of their son. There was an effort to get him assistance, but they declined to get him assistance. The young man's parents were brought to school the same day of the shooting and offered counseling as an option, and they declined. But probably the most significant fact in the case against the crumbly parents is that the the gun that was purchased was made accessible to their son. It was not taken care of properly. And so the claim is that it's a involuntary manslaughter. Gross negligence is the standard, and that's why the case is going to be prosecuted to the fullest and heard by the jury, and probably a decision will come today or tomorrow. A lot of differences between the other case and the, and the gender. And I know that the gender and parents were looked at. I know that our prosecutors here, both federal and state, looked at them and interviewed them. And I'm assuming that what occurred is that there just were no facts that would develop in the gender and case to show that it was foreseeable to the parents or that they played a role in actually uh, participating in something that was misconduct on their part. So there's some looks like there's some big differences. But we may find out more because they are named in the civil lawsuit as well. Yeah, the civil lawsuit, is that for negligence? Yes. The, the standard in the civil lawsuit is simply to show negligence. It's deviation from the standard of care. It's far less than what you need to show in a criminal case. In Michigan, they require gross negligence. But even in, in our 
statutes, we require reckless conduct, which is even more significant. So their conduct will be examined in the civil case. They'll be deposed. There'll be questions will be taken under oath, and it will determine what role, if any, they played. And if they were negligent, they could have some responsibility for the horrible, horrible massacre that occurred. What is the, the biggest penalty that they would face in that civil suit? The civil suit is only for money damages. You can't uh, extract any additional punishment because that's the way the law is in our state. If you're found to be liable in a civil case, it's only for the consequential damages that occur uh, as a result of your misconduct. The difference between gross negligence and negligence in a civil case, when you're looking at these two cases specifically, I mean, does it that the parents bought the gun for the shooter in this case in Michigan, is that really the thing that makes it cross that line, or or is that the argument there? Well, it's interesting you asked that question because I was – I wanted to go and, and find out exactly the answer to that question. And one of the young lawyers in my firm, Christina Eaton, who's a terrific lawyer, actually gave me the record on appeal because this case has been reviewed on appeal already when the defense challenged it. And they found that uh, the parents knew that he was experiencing hallucinations. He was in a distressed mental state. He had suffered some losses and deaths, I think his grandparents as well. Um, there was a request to help him obtain medical assistance. And then they purchased the handgun with all this knowledge. And even on the day of the shooting, the parents went into the school because they were warned by the authorities in school. But as the Court of Appeals said, they did nothing at that point. So at that point, Ryan, the the case is, will the jury consider that it was foreseeable that all of these events that they were aware about could lead into the disaster and the shooting that did occur in the school. So really all of these things combined, the parents being aware of not only that he had a gun, but that there were some mental health concerns, all these different things that you mentioned combined would create that gross negligence. And I'm wondering if there is maybe precedent to this or if this would be the precedent if uh, there was a guilty verdict here in that creating it, and then could you kind of go back and look at other shootings that have taken place and say, well, has there been an awareness of these two things, an awareness of having weapons combined with an awareness of some sort of of mental illness or or other troubles? Well, it's interesting you should make that point because in Michigan, there is precedent. And I went, we went back and looked and checked it. There was a case in 2018 where a parent was prosecuted because the 10-year-old daughter accidentally shot the nine-year-old brother. And it was in a gun that was kept unlocked and loaded in their home. And that combination of all of those factors led the Michigan Court of Appeals to sustain the conviction of the parent. So there was, just a few years ago, a, uh, I won't say exactly similar case, but there was a case in which they provided some precedent for the crumbly prosecution. So I think what it tells us about the future, both in Michigan and New York State, is that while parents are not usually liable for the acts of their children, that in certain circumstances, there has to be some care that's reasonable under the circumstances. You cannot be grossly negligent. You cannot ignore circumstances that might lead to the foreseeability of a horrible act. So it's sort of a warning. A warning goes out that there uh, these 
these facts, if developed, could result in a criminal prosecution, both in Michigan and in our state. Terry, do you know, in the, the case of the top shooter, did the parents know that their son had guns? Well, it hasn't been completely developed yet, but so far from our investigation, yes, there was some knowledge that uh, he had access to guns. The The question becomes, uh, did they have knowledge of all of the things that he was collecting, the body armor, the ballistic protection for himself, the, the problems on the Internet, the enabling of him to purchase these documents, to purchase these armaments. All of that information will be developed in the civil case. And precisely when he had the gun, what guns he had, how many he had, and all of those things will be developed. But right now, without the ability to talk to Jendren or his parents, we don't know for certain, but we will find out. Well, Terry, thank you so much for the time this morning. Really do appreciate it. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time, baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.